And welcome in to the Spartan Year with Tanner and Ethan. I am the Ethan side of that duo, and it is a beautiful day today. Um, week three, I believe, of our new setup uh, from far away. Spartan is me. I'm in East Lansing, and Tanner is in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, we've taken a little bit of a break recently uh, for the past two weeks um, in response to what happened on campus on February 13th up here in East Lansing. Um, the mass shooting that I'm sure everybody's aware about, um, covered in the national news and everything. Um, just wanted to take a second at the beginning to address that and everything just because I think it's important. Um, I was in uh, our sports show that we do every Monday night, um, and at about 8.15, we got the alert that we had to shelter in place, and so we did that, and um, we were on a different end of campus uh, than the events that were taking place and everything, um, but we were sheltered in our journalism school building for about five hours, um, and we were hiding under desks and everything, so... That's not something that uh, anybody ever wants to have to do, but um, I guess that's the reality of the world that we live in right now. Um, and our hearts go out to the three families that um, of the three students that lost their lives and the five that are still in the hospital. Um, so that is why we have not been here for the last two weeks. Um, but I'm safe, and Tanner has been very nice through it all. Um, just, uh, you know, texting and making sure, reaching out. So Tanner, love you, buddy. I appreciate it. But um, we think that it's time to get back on now and, uh, you know, take a little bit of a break for everything, for me especially and for the community and everything. But um, I felt that it was time to bring us back and able to talk now. So thank you for everything that you have uh, been doing for me. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, but you know, you know, I love you. Uh, and Obviously, none of that was good um, and just just horrible. I felt for you, still feel for you, and obviously everybody else. And I mean, it, it's it's unacceptable. And you know, it it happens too often now. It should never happen to, in in the first place. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I saw it uh, a news alert, and I went to my phone and I texted you right away. And I knew you were probably getting five thousand texts, but. You know, it, it was still important for me to at least reach out to you. I didn't expect to hear anything back. I heard back from you almost immediately, which made me feel better. Um, but obviously, you know, it, I was just, I, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to do anything I could for you. If you would have asked me to come up, I would have been there, man. And I, I, I'm serious about that. I, I it, it's, it's horrible. And, you know, it changes your perspective on a lot of things. And every time this happens, I mean, it should never happen, right? And that's what we say every time, and then it continues to happen. And stuff needs to change. Um, and, you know, it was really weird down here, right? I, I, I don't want to take away from it, but 48 hours that hap after that happened, the Senate in West Virginia passes the campus open carry bill. Mm. And it got signed by the governor either yesterday or the day before. And wow. that'll, that'll be active in 2024. And, you know, it's it was just really odd. And the response here was wild. You know, we have, you know, the student areas where you have public free speech and people congregate there and all those things. And that's been happening. And, I mean, 
it was just like what you know I, I, I don't I don't know what the response is right and what what we can be doing but we need to be doing something um, and we've got to figure it out and you know the bill doesn't really change that much it just makes it open carry rather than concealed carry which was already allowed um, but that's allowed anywhere concealed carry is in the country right that's a federal law so uh, but instead of having to have it concealed you can have an open carry so that's I think July 1st 2024 that will wow. become active in the state of West Virginia. So I just wanted to add that in because I, I was talking to one of the advisors upstairs here at the United Two Studios in Morgantown, and he said, I, I mean, that happens at Michigan State, and 48 hours later, you pass this in West Virginia. And the Senate passed at 29 to 4. Like, it was wow. overwhelming. And then it was similar in the House, I want to say. I don't remember the number. And then it, 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 it's happened before. It's never gotten this far. It's never gotten to the governor's desk here. And then it did, and people still thought, oh, Jim Justice is going to just, you know, veto it. And he did not. So uh, it, it's been wild down here, too, because people are, you know, not not happy uh, with, yeah. with, with that resolution there. Yeah, that is that's crazy that that happened just days after that. I mean, on a college campus, too. Right. And, yeah, up here there's been a lot of, uh, you know, rallies at the Capitol. You can obviously see the Capitol rotunda, um, the, the big dome from East Lansing. You can see it down the street um, in Lansing. And, you know, people flocked there and have had rallies. Our senator and House representatives that uh, represent this area have come to the steps with the students. And there's been sit-ins and rallies about, you know, some sort of gun control reform and everything. But, um, uh, you know, that you can keep updated with all that stuff because nothing has really come to uh, tables yet. But it's really been like the vigils and, you know, people have been laying flowers down at the Spartan statue in the rock, which are two of the university's uh, more well-known landmarks for students to gather. Um, and they lit up our tower, which is probably the Beaumont tower, which is probably the biggest landmark at uh, Michigan state. They lit that up in green um, for us. And, you know, the, <clears throat> from the sports side, you know, everybody doing the Spartan strong, you know, taking a moment of silence and stuff, you know, that's really some of what has hit me the hardest emotionally, just because, you know, it's beautiful to see everybody banding together. And, um, you know, in Michigan, the school down the road has, um, you know, they have their own Spartan strong stuff and they light their basketball arena up in green, you know, the, you know, that. I mean, they played. They played your alma mater too. I mean, it it it, yeah, it does get to you. I mean, it I does. I, I watched uh, Coach Tom Izzo, who I love. A lot of people don't love him, but I think their opinion might have changed after watching him speak. If you haven't watched yeah. Tom Izzo speak about it, I encourage you to go do so. Uh, he talked for quite a few minutes about it, and I got emotional watching that. And I was just thinking of you and feeling for you and everybody else up there. You know, it's not just you that I know that goes there, but. Obviously, I have a very strong bond with you, and yeah, it, it's it's horrible. Um, but yeah, you're right, and, and you know those things that happen. Right, sports connects people, and that's mm -hmm. one of the most beautiful parts about it. And the ability to do that in a, you know an arena of fifteen thousand people, like what happened at Michigan when you guys went down there to play them in basketball, mm -hmm. that brings a ton of awareness and, and a ton of awareness to people who probably don't pay attention to things like this. And that's where it's really important that those things happen, I, in, in my opinion, because right. it, it does draw attention to it and bring it up. 
and it makes you think about it, and you can it, it, think about it and go, this should not be happening, and we need to do mm-hmm. something about it. And, and so, you know, maybe it is through the world of sports where we find common ground and can find a way to create legislation that can deter uh, more of this from happening because it, it it's not right, and it's horrible, and it affects too many people. Um, and again, man, I'm just feeling for you. I wanted to let you get it out. And, you know, if you have anything more to say, go ahead. I, I don't want to take anything away from it. Obviously, no. I'm just, no, I appreciate everything. Like I said, you know, you were one of the ones to reach out and I did respond right away. Cause I, I was letting everybody know that I was okay because that is scary when you see something like that. Um, and I can only imagine, you know, what that's like in the building. Obviously I wasn't in the building that the shooting was taking place, but I really do feel for um, my fellow Spartans that were in that situation and everything. Um, If you do want, I gave the shortened version at the top of my experience, but um, I did make a little personal narrative video that's being posted to the Spartan Newsroom website um, as a part of um, one of my classes. And I'll probably end up tweeting that out as well. So um, in the coming days, uh, if you see on my Twitter at eHunter713, there will be a little, just like a three-minute video about my experience and uh, what we were doing at the Spartan Sports Report at the time and all that stuff. Um, So that's the longer version if you want to see that. Um, It was a hard night, um, definitely the scariest situation I've ever been in, and um, you know, it was hard the weeks after that. I didn't really want to do very much of anything for a long time. But um, it's nice to be back on the airwaves with you, Tanner. This is therapeutic for me, and that's really why I wanted to uh, come back on. <clears throat> Obviously, we took a little break, but um, I thought it was best if we recorded today just for my own sake. And, you know, if this brings anybody any joy, um, that's what we're hoping for. And, you know, everybody just hug your loved ones and be a little kinder to people because that's really, I mean, the kindness here in East Lansing, the Michigan state community is insane. And, um, everybody's, you know, there's such a loving bond here with everybody in East Lansing and it's really been felt recently. And that's also part of what has helped us go through. So, you know, just be a little kinder to, to the people that you're around and hug your loved ones because that's, that's the most important thing. That's all I really have to say. Um, yeah, you know, that. we're not all that different, right? And so we need to we need to come together. I think uh, you well, said it, man. Uh, I appreciate you really going through that. I was hoping that you would do do so because it's important to talk about these things. We can't just try to forget them or something like that. And I know you you won't, but uh, you can't you can't stop talking about it either, right? Just because it happened, right. you know, two and a half weeks ago or whatever it is now that doesn't mean that it's still not affecting people and we need to continue to talk about it and all of those things because you, you, you can't forget, right? There are people that will be affected for the rest of their lives because of one, you know, one day and Mm -hmm. it's not in a good way. Um, and so we gotta, we gotta come together and spread kindness. You're right. And make, make changes because there, there needs to be stuff done about this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You ready to move on to sports now? Try to get into something a little more positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is what we're here for. So um, we appreciate you sticking along with us through that, but uh, we felt it was important to open with that. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, well, I guess it's not really positive if we're going to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets, but, uh, you know, that's okay. If you want to start there, I'm happy to start with the Jackets. If not, we can talk about college basketball. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Um, well, you know, poignant right now is both of those things, both the trade deadline. I say we uh, get into a little bit of Jackets uh, before we move into college basketball. Okay. Just because I feel like every time I open Instagram, there's a new trade that's gone through on uh, NHL. Yeah, well, the uh, trade deadline has been absolutely wild, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's been really fun. Uh, I think that there's been some surprises. Um, I think that the you know we're, we're we're Jackets fans, so we can start there. I think they got the best yeah. deal possible. Um, they give away Gavrikov, who they had a trade for. It seemed like in Boston for a first and a third. And they add Corpusalo in that deal, send him out to L.A., and they get Jonathan Quick back, a conditional first, and a third. People yeah. are mad about it. I'm not mad about it. You know, you're, you're a selling team at the deadline. You don't have room to sign Corpusalo. You need to get something from these guys. They're going to walk, right? The, the fifth-round pick you get for Gus Nyquist, who's on long-term injured reserve at the moment, is better than just not having him next year and not having any consolation for it. If you have unrestricted free agents and you're a team that's not going to make the playoffs and there's a market for them, you need to get whatever you can for them. Number one, because you need to make up that loss somehow, and a draft pick is one of the ways to do it. Number two, it's better to get rid of this talent if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets because you do not need to be winning games right now, which is what they continue to do, Ethan. Yeah, yeah. your tweet yesterday that I saw about the Jackets keep winning or two days ago, whenever that was, that was uh, that's exactly how I've been feeling. Because up here, lots of Detroit Red Wings fans, they were like, we need you to beat the Sabres. And I was like, I really hope we don't beat the Sabres. And then we beat the Sabres. You know, what what are we doing here, Tanner? I, I do really, I've never wanted a team to tank like I want the Columbus Blue Jackets to tank. I think I've said that before on here, but... You know, this is like a uh, this is like a once in a generation player here in Car- Connor Bedard, um, and it's really like it's this is a LeBron situation. This is a Victor Wembanyama situation. You know, it's not every draft that you have a player that is for sure the number one and is on everybody's radar and everybody's trying to get him, um, and is as important as this is. And you know, we don't need to be winning games right now for that exact reason we're not going to make the playoffs and obviously you know you never really want to lose but in this no, situation they need I to lose need to. Yeah. yes ethan the difference between so here, here here's the problem okay if you you're not making the playoffs you need to be the worst team because if you're second worst you're not guaranteed a top three selection like you are if you're the first worst team right, right. so if you are the worst team number 32 in the league overall yeah you are guaranteed a top three pick you also have a 24.87-something percent chance to get the number one pick. If you're, if you're second worst, that number drops to 13%. There is such a major difference there where you need to look at it and say, we need to be the absolute worst. The Jackets are 5-4-2 and two in their last 11. What yeah. in the hell? Oh, my God. But, you know, the other thing is, too, Arizona went on an eight-game winning streak. Anaheim's been winning games, and Chicago's been winning games. So at least everybody at the bottom is not completely sucking. But this is a time where you can get a 10-point cushion on that last pick. Yeah, Uh, and it is, um, first of all, 
I go to two games over the over the winter break, and they're terrible. If you're going to win a game, at least make it the one that I'm sitting ice side. We get beat two to or seven to two and seven to four by the Stars and the Capitals, and I mean, I just don't understand it. I obviously that doesn't matter, but that's my own personal gripe. But we're still one point in last. Um, we have 46 points. Sorry, the Blue Jackets have 46 points right now. The Blackhawks have 47. And then the Sharks and the Ducks each have 48. But this is a time that we need to be, that the Blue Jackets need to be losing as many games as possible. Um, coming up against the Kraken, who have gotten kind of hot recently. Yeah. Um, Senators, Penguins, Blues. And then the Sharks. The Blue Jackets do play the Sharks and the Ducks in the middle of March, so those are two that they really need to lose games. Yeah, correct. Yeah, both of those are away. Um, playing the Kings, so interesting. Quick versus Corpusalo if they decide to do that. Yeah, I but, heard um, that uh, Jonathan Quick is absolutely livid, uh, and I, I do not blame him. I could imagine. Yeah, like they might trade him, and he might never actually play a game. Right. Although it would be very cool to go see Jonathan Quick in a Jackets jersey. I don't think, you know, 10 years ago you would have ever thought that'd be a possibility. Well, 10 years ago is probably the last time that you would have wanted it to be a possibility also. Correct. Um, you know, they built Dustin Brown a statue outside the Staples Center, and they trade away the goalie that actually won him the cup. But mm. that's fine. They, they won two. Um, Justice for the goalies out here. I, no, the goalies continuously get screwed. I mean, you look at Marc-Andre Fleury. He gets dumped for pennies on the dollar to Minnesota after mm-hmm. Vegas already stabbed him in the back once. Then they actually kill him, and now he's stuck in Minnesota. He signs a right. one-year deal at 39 years old. I, it's, it's disgusting. It, it is not fair to the goaltenders who are the players you need to be the best in the playoffs, in my opinion. Outside, you know, maybe one or two guys up front who can score goals. It comes down to goaltending in the playoffs. Sergei Bobrovsky beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was not the other way around, which is crazy to say. And now he's right. back to goalie Bob in the playoffs, and he's Swiss cheese, which is what we expected from him. right? He let yeah. in three goals in that first period back in 2018, 2019. And mm-hmm. they come back and win that game 4-3. Let's in two at the beginning of game two. They come back and win that one because he makes some stellar saves. And then he really plays well in three and four. But outside of that, he's not been good in the playoffs. But... It, it's it's really wrong what happens to goalies in the NHL. You know, Lundqvist kind of got screwed near the end of his career, I think, in New York. You look at some of the other top goaltenders on, on these teams who, who have been goalies for, you know, 10-plus years for a franchise, been the staple guy back there, and they're getting screwed. Corpusalo, you could say, got screwed by the Blue Jackets, although injury played into that. I think they would have traded him three years ago if he didn't yeah. have to have hip surgery and all of those other things. It, it's It's just sad, and I feel for them. Um, but let, let, let's talk about some of the other trades. I've got them all pulled up right here. Yesterday yeah. we see the Bruins get Tyler Bertuzzi uh, from the Red Wings for a first-round pick, top 10 protected, and a fourth-round pick. The Bruins have made a lot of deals. Uh, let me just read through some more of those. That one I don't really care about. The Penguins uh, get Michael Granlin uh, for a, th- a second-round pick from the Predators. Uh, the Lightning and Sharks trade Namistika for Ice and Namont. Uh, the Golden Knights, this one, you know, I, I'm near the Penguins. You're near the uh, Red Wings. Right. Penguins fans absolutely hate Ron Hextall. Uh, they felt like they should have got Jacob Chikrin. Um, yeah. If you're going to hate Ron Hextall, I'd hate him more for the Malkin and Latang deals from this past summer where you tied them both up till they're about 40 years old at <laughs> over $5 million a year for both of them. That was stupid right. as hell. Uh, right. So they trade Teddy Bluger for... Uh, Dilla Berton, uh, a defenseman and a third-round pick, and people are not happy about that. 
uh, L.A. Kings Sabres deal. That one doesn't really have much. The well, big yeah, one- that's actually that's that's real quick. That is what I wanted to say. Uh, you know, up here rivalry. Eric Portillo. Uh, oh, you, you goalie. Big fan. Um, no, I can't say I am. Oh. Uh, Eric Portillo is the Michigan goalie at the okay. moment, and he did um, have some incredible saves in Detroit against us that uh, stopped a five-on-three, and it stopped a five-on-four, and then it stopped a four-on-three, um, and that really was not the defense that was stopping those uh, power plays. Um he was making some incredible saves. So, you know, maybe the Kings see a future. Obviously, Quick has been gone for quite some time, you know, as far as his prime. Um, so maybe that is who they're going to try to build up through the process and make uh, make something. Because Eric Portillo is a good goaltender. Just thought that, you know, I've seen him firsthand for two games or three games now um, in the arena. So just thought I would add that in there because... That's not something to brush away, even though, you know, he is just a college goaltender at the moment. Well, I apologize for doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the big one, which has made a lot of fan bases mad, is the uh, Jacob Chikrin deal. And that was one that Columbus had their eyes on. You know, Phoenix has held, or Arizona, whatever the hell they are, has held on to this guy since the offseason when they wanted to move him initially. And they trade him for nothing. Everybody acted like it was going to be like three first-round picks or something, which is why nobody pulls the deal. And the Senators uh-huh. get him for a first round, a second round, and two second-round picks. And one of those second rounds is in 2026. And it's a right. top-five protected first-round uh, first pick. Almost anybody in the league could have made that deal, and Phoenix has held on to him for this long, and they give him away for that to Ottawa? I understand why people are mad. And really, people are saying it's more of the Arizona Coyotes' fault than it is for the Senators, who get a really nice defenseman in most people's opinion. Yeah, that is very interesting, as you said. And, you know, 2023 first round, 2024 second round, and second round in the 2026 draft. So, like you said, absolutely not at all what anybody thought that they would <laughs> that they would get for him. Yeah. I, I, I just find it uh, very interesting. Um, you know, Hronik, the defenseman from the Red Wings, yeah. gets traded for about the same deal. Right. And people are not happy about that here, um, from what I've gathered. Yeah, the Red Wings um, defenseman, Hronik. Yeah, uh, up in up in Detroit, the Red Wings fans not happy with it. Um you know, the Red Wings are playing well, and they're looking to uh, get some home ice um, in the playoffs. Um, well, you know, get some... Uh, get, get a series uh, in. Get a higher seed, right? Yeah. Um, and is what they're looking for right now. The Iser plan, which has been going for uh, some uh, somewhere around 10 years now. No, um, no, no. It's not that long. It's about four. Four, oh, sorry, sorry. Thinking about the thinking about the Tigers. Um, oh yes, yeah, that's yeah. Fair. Okay, you're right. You're right. Sorry, because he, he he built the Lightning and then he left. Right, right. You're right. So the Red Wings about four years. Tigers about ten. Um, the Red Wings, you know, struggling the last few years. Even though they have high hopes, that's kind of like what Detroit is, um, sports wise, but. Uh, this year is really their year to shine. And then they lock up Dylan Larkin for eight years, um, giving him, you know, somewhere around 8 million a year, which is um, a lot of money and a lot of time. Um, So I think that that was also giving some people some pause because, you know, it's a very long deal for a hockey player. Um, And 
I guess we'll see how that works out. Obviously, I'm not the number one a uh, Red Wings fan in the nation, but I do hear things, and uh, I have been following them just out of, you know, that's what Bally Sports plays up here. So, <laughs> so that will be interesting as well, just because, you know, you have a team that's starting to win, and then you trade away Heronic for some draft picks. I feel like, although that is, I don't think that's a terrible trade, but, you know, now is the time that you want to win while you have it, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, the Hurricanes get Shane Gobstis fair for a third-round pick from Phoenix. Uh, Lars Eller from the Capitals. Capitals are selling. He goes to the Avalanche for a second-round pick. We already mentioned the Jackets trades. Uh, the Oilers get Matthias Ekholm for a, and a six-round pick for Tyson Berry, uh, Reed Schaefer, a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick in 2024. Uh, I think it's interesting to see the Predators kind of sell. Um because the West is so bad, and the Oilers are trying to build stuff. I mean, yeah, they, they made it to the second round, but they really haven't made much of a playoff push with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, number one, because you can't win the playoffs with two offensive players, and, you know, I think you see that, right? That was the thing with Ovechkin forever. They couldn't do anything until they got Holpe really going in, in one year, and you kind of catch lightning in the bottle, and you go. And, you know, that's something that McDavid's – still struggling through I and I think it's interesting to see that um but whatever you know and we've uh we've got a couple other ones that are kind of prominent uh before we get to the big big ones and we we see Luke Shen uh the defenseman who won two cups with Tampa uh get traded to the Maple Leafs for a third round pick from Vancouver Vancouver's selling off everything but they're already over almost two million dollars over the cap for next year and they're an awful team yeah um Real quick before I get flamed, obviously I know that Chris Illich owns the Tigers, but um, I was thinking about a tweet that I saw about, you know, Isaac plan just being a general term for the rebuilding of Detroit. So I know that Steve Eisenman does not own the Tigers. Just wanted to throw that out there. Although he has helped Chris Illich in a couple situations, which is just interesting. Yeah, it um, is. I mean, Eisenman owns Detroit as far as yes. anybody in that city right now. Yeah, I mean, Dan, Dan Campbell's teams... close, but no, Stevie Y. Like it, it, you said it, I think on one of the other ones where if they had to pick one team, it'd be the Wings, and so right for this year at least, yes, yes. Oh, not every year. You don't think you think who, who do you think's got the hold on that city? The Pistons? Oh, the, the Lions, definitely. You think Lions. it is the Lions? I think so, just because. Um, I mean, people are really buying into Dan Campbell um, as a coach. Well, now, yeah, I got a number for you there. Ownership from an ownership standpoint. I think Steve Eisman definitely is the front runner. You know, people do not like the Fords at all um, anymore because obviously, you know, years of torment, but um, the, the, I think people have really bought into uh, Dan Campbell. And if I think, I mean, realistically, yes, it is the Red Wings because, you know, you don't expect a lot out of the Lions. Although after last season, they are going to expect a playoff game out of the Lions. So that would be interesting if that happens. But yeah, I do think that it is realistically the Red Wings right now. Yeah. But if they could choose anything, I think it would still be the ty- or the Lions. Um, a number for you on the Lions? 29% yeah. of the money next year on the NFC champion is on Detroit. That's the highest team by more than double the next team. Really? That's crazy. Wow. That is crazy. And you know that um, they're just going to go out and win three games instead. <laughs> I mean, that... I mean... They are getting hot. Obviously, I feel like I, I love Jared. Goff. Interesting case study would be the uh, 
increasing popularity on social media and betting on the team that has hard knocks in the preseason because yeah. I feel like that does get people connected to a team. And I think, you know, nobody, I feel like nobody really watched the Cardinals in season one because who cares about the Cardinals? But right. the story of Dan Campbell and all of these ragtag group of guys coming together, um, you know, like uh, uh, the, I'm going to forget all their names now, but um, Rodrigo, the linebacker. Um, yeah. And uh, the running back who um, Swift. Uh, no, no, no. no. Like the, the guy from Green Bay. The Williams. third string. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, Jamal Williams. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then um, the Lions. Uh, the coaching if, staff is incredible too that they have. I mean, it's all just football dudes. They're not like Miami or Cleveland where it's a bunch of analytical guys. San Francisco. Right. It's football dudes. We're gonna play rough and tough, kind of like. Mike Tomlin at the beginning, uh, a little yeah. bit where it's like we're players, coaches, right? And we're going to get the best out of our guys, even if they're not the best. You know, right. there's definitely some evidence to say that, you know, and we can take this back to hockey. Go go yeah. look at, I mean, you know, yes, okay, the Jackets are the most unsuccessful franchise since the year 2000 in all of the four major sports across North America. Nobody's going to argue that. That's a fact. They have won nine playoff games ever, and that accounts to one total series that they've right. actually won. But when you go look at it, and you have a player's coach like John Tortorella, who is going to get more out of Boone Jenner to play against a guy like Steven Stamkos, and you're going to get in the head of a guy like Nikita Kucherov and get him suspended for a game in the series after he boards... Uh, who did he board? I forget who. Maybe Nyquist or somebody. It was somebody... Yeah, I think... It's somebody like that, and it's guys like that who are going to get more out of guys who maybe are not as talented but are going to play for him and play harder for him. And and there's definitely something to say about that, I think. Yeah, you're right. Um, That is a big factor. I mean, being in sports, um, you know, working closely with the football team here um, like I do, and, you know, just – ever since taking on the sports journalist role in a college standpoint, rather than high school, you see a lot more and you see how much these little things impact the game, you know, like how much leadership really is important and how much you can get out of these people. Even if you don't have five, five stars on your team, you know, in basketball say, you know, you're still going to get the most out of it. And from a coaching standpoint, from a game plan standpoint, there's so many little things like that. And I feel like Dan Campbell cares so much that he gets those little things out of his guys. And that's really what pushed them to that nine win season. Um, And obviously, you know, that's true in every sport. I think it's just crazy to see those little things coming into fruition. Yeah. But I think we do. Yeah. I I, I agree with you there. And, you know, I know you can't comment on this, what I'm about to say, but I think that Mel Tucker is one of those guys, Um, right? When you look at college football as a whole, there's not many guys that really stick out to you as like players, coaches, right? Where, you know, you look at Ryan Day, he he might be one of those guys at a highest state, you know, Neil Brown here in in Morgantown, his players do like him, but he's not, you know, that in your face mentality. Here we go. And there's not many of those guys. You know, obviously Deion Sanders is one, but he's a, he's a case of his own, right? And, and you know, we, we will get into Deion in, in a later episode and what's going on out there in Boulder. But, you know, like some of the guys at the top of the top aren't that way, but you're starting to see a shift back, right? You always see that. It's, you know, Nick Saban, he, he's an anomaly too. But outside of that, it's, it's different kind of guys like Dabo Sweeney or, you know, Kirby Smart's a great example of a player's coach, right? His coordinators are some of the best in the country, right? Todd Monken just left. However, he was easily the best offensive coordinator in the country last season. 
And you can see that. And Kirby Smart's a guy instead where I don't know if you saw the video of his pregame speech before the national championship. And I think Sonny Dykes is another example of this too where he's going to get what he can out of his guys rather than saying, you know what, uh, we're going to have Stetson Bennett throw a screen here to Brock Bowers and he's going to run out the field. He, The video, you can't even watch it around kids because he just cusses so much in it. But those type of guys can draw things out of players. And I, I think that that's you know, something that coaching is starting to shift back to a little bit rather than being soft and, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. It's You didn't do your job today. You need to do better next time kind of deal. Okay, Ethan agrees. Um, let, let's get, you know, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll skip some of these other trades. Let's get to the big ones. Patty, yeah. Patty Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko are both now New York Rangers. I hate mm-hmm. the Rangers. I know you hate the Rangers. I don't know many people that love the Rangers unless they're a Rangers fan. Right. I don't think they're going to win the cup. I I, I don't, but they they're yeah. going to try. And, and if those guys can really get together and mesh well, they do have some real scoring depth on that team, right? Oh, absolutely. If you're going to run out a first line with Zabanajad on there and Panarin, and I I don't have all the centers' names off the top of my head. I know Trocheck's on that team playing center, but then mm-hmm. you also can have a second line that's got Patty Kane and Vladdy Tarasenko on it, and then you look down and you got the kid line with. K- uh, Capo Cacao, and you've got you know some of these other guys, Keandre Miller, guys like the, the Rangers could be a scary team. I think defensively they still have some problems, and it's going to rely on Shesterkin being really good in the playoffs. They could right. become a dangerous team. I don't believe in them. You know, my thought is it's still Tampa or bust. Tampa's won, mm-hmm. it, I mean, three straight or two straight years, dude, and they or three straight. They've been to three straight cups. They've won yeah. three straight Eastern Conference Finals. Tampa is a different animal in the playoffs, and a lot of that goes back to Andre Vasilevsky. But they have that similar scoring depth to New York where, you know, you've got Point, you've got Stamkos, you've got Kucherov, you've got Kalorn, you've got all of these guys, Sorelli. You've got these great defensive, offensive players too, right? Yeah. And, and Vladdy Tarasenko is not a guy who you – or Patty Kane are not guys where you're like, they're going to get back on defense and back check too. And, and right. so, you know, I don't remember a team that wins playoff games 7-4. And yeah. that's what they're going to have to do. So I think that True. that's interesting. Yeah, no, but this is definitely a team that we haven't seen before, or at least in a while, with this depth of star players, you know. Um, I mean, I guess you could argue that, you know, Tampa Bay may have that or something. But some so a team that's gone and gotten some big names from outside all in one season and brought them together, you know, is rare, more rare in hockey than a super team is in, say, basketball, you know. Right. Um, I mean, you can spend five hours and not go through all the big trades in the NBA. Right, right. And talking to some Blackhawks fans, you know, they were very sad to see him go. You know, he's really the last – Kane was really the last guy on that team that was, you know, know, on that successful Right, three three cups in six years, Patty Kane, Jonathan Taze, all of that stuff. Right, I get it. Right, and he's the only one left. And, um, you know – uh, talking to one Blackhawks fan that is my friend, they said that he was never really their favorite on that team. But um, you know, him being the last one, I think that kind of you know is reminiscent for some, right? Yeah. And the Blackhawks are obviously trying to tank now, also you know, in second to last yeah. place. Oh, Seth Jones, how do you like that, jackets. pal? How do you like that, Seth Jones? You well, should have yeah, stayed in Columbus, damn it. There you oh, go. Oh, my God. I would take Seth Jones back in a heartbeat for Zach Wierenski. Let's just flip him one for one. Um, <laughs> yeah, Zach Wierenski, not my favorite guy. He's he's a good dude, but 
I, yeah. I like Seth Jones' game more than I like Zach Wierenski's. Me too. That was a fun time in Columbus to be when... I mean, that was a great top-two pair. Yeah, Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. Zach Wierenski had, like, the most goals as a defender ever or something. You know, yeah, some crazy yeah. stat I mean, like that. He had, like, that. 25 one year. Yeah, it was... It, I mean, yeah. They were good we, to get... I, I think Wierenski's still coming into his own, and obviously he's not playing this year because he's hurt. But, uh, yeah, definitely interesting there. Uh, one of the other big ones, Timo Meyer. Uh, mm-hmm. and the Sharks. That was like, that trade, I mean, it would take me a minute to read all of the details of it. Um, <laughs> right. There was like five players going back and forth from each team, and mm-hmm. it's very interesting. But, uh, you know, the other big guy in that deal, I mean, huge, huge defenseman, Scott Harrington. Uh, just a fantastic player. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. If you can't tell, that's very sarcastic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many games he cost the Blue Jackets, but it was more than one, I promise. Oh, yeah, I got that. <laughs> oh, and just right now, 30 oh. minutes ago, um, as of us recording this episode, uh, David Pasternak signed to an eight-year deal. Oh, yeah. So, I, I, yes, I, I did see that. I forgot to say that. Yeah. And he was yeah. going to be a pending UFA, and so people thought he was going to leave Boston, and right. they're going to pay him. So, you know, Boston's adding some players here at the deadline, and they're going to go all in for a cup push, but they're not going to keep all these guys. Right. Yeah. I mean... They've got them locked down for eight years now, so obviously, you know, trade can stop that or whatever. But um, that is going to be interesting. Boston is kind of the regular season team to beat right now, at least. Um, Tanner's gasping. I missed this. My favorite player got traded. Oh, my God. Who's that? Old Jack Johnson, baby. (laughs) Oh, I love Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson goes back to the Avalanche after he won the Cup with them last year. He signed as a free agent in in, uh, Chicago, excuse me, and... Avalanche wanted him back for the playoff. He he was a big factor in them actually winning the cup. And I always had hope for Jack Johnson. His story is one of the saddest you've ever heard, where his parents took all his money and he declared bankruptcy. And, you know, that's the very quick version, and I'm probably saying that incorrectly. But if you're interested, go look at that because it's an awful thing. And I love Jack Johnson. Uh, he yeah. took the money to go to Pittsburgh. I wasn't too happy about that. And then he goes and wins a cup last year, and I was so happy for him finally winning that cup. The, the look on his face when he held that thing, you know, he's like, it was all worth it for this moment. And I, I love Jack Johnson. Maybe he'll get another crack at it this year with the Avalanche, although they've been kind of disappointing. Uh, let's get off the trade stuff. Let's look at the standings very quickly in the National Hockey League. When you look at the uh, conference as a whole, you can see that the Eastern Conference, way, way better than that of the West. Right. Uh, and- Dallas would be a uh, wild card team in in, yeah. in in the East, and they're leading the... Uh, Central, and that that's the same for Vegas in the Pacific. They would be a wild card team uh, ever so slightly in the – actually, no, they wouldn't. Would they? Yeah, they would. Excuse me. I was looking at the in the bottom of the Metro. Uh, right. So the wild card in, in, in the East is the Islanders and the Penguins right now at 70 points and 69 points. And Dallas has 77, and uh, Vegas has 78. So they would both – hop in right there, but they would not be a top three seed in either conference in the East or either division in the East. Yeah. We are seeing, uh, it's a very tight race here um, in the Atlantic division, especially. um, But the whole West or the whole East, excuse me, with um, the Sabres, the Panthers, the Senators, and the Red Wings all within two points of each other. Then you throw in the Capitals also at 66 points. The Penguins have 69. The Islanders have 70. So the Red Wings are a long shot to um, 
the Red Wings are a long shot to get in. Um, but you know, sixty-four points. Any, it's really anybody's you know area right here. All sitting, you know, there's six, seven teams within six points of each other. So it will be interesting who gets that wild card spot. But the Bruins, the Maple Leafs, and the Lightning obviously looking like strong contenders. Um, the Hurricanes as well in the East, and you know, the Devils if they can, you know. I think they could make something happen. I don't. Uh, see I think them... they can make something happen too. They just have to be consistent, which is right. something that I think they've lacked. Yeah, they, they've struggled with the goaltending. Um, and now the real race that's more important, actually, than the Stanley Cup is the race for Connor Bedard. Uh, down at the bottom of the league, it is the Columbus Blue Jackets, yours and mine, at forty-six points. Although they mm-hmm. do have a game in hand on Chicago, um, but they are still a point lower than Chicago and two points lower than Anaheim and San Jose. That eight-game win streak for Arizona uh, gave them a five-point lead on last place, uh, which is always nice to see. Um, But the Jackets have a 500 record against the West, so that should tell you how bad this Western Conference is. And so, you know, you could say Anaheim and Chicago are actually worse than these teams because they don't play the Eastern Conference night in and night out like the Jackets do. Um, But, yeah, it would be really nice to see the Jackets get that number one pick and see what Yarmo Kekalainen can do with it. Uh, hopefully they just take Bedard and call it a day, but, you know, that's probably not what would happen anyway. Yeah, we just got to cross their fingers and, you know, see what happens. You never know with the draft. and I mean, any draft, really. We've got the NFL combine and the draft race is uh, looking very interesting there as well. Um, I guess it's not a race. All the picks have been settled but um i don't know if you wanted to get into yeah, that no, at we, all, we but, can definitely get into that i the, just i wanted to give you a quick update 35 days till augusta uh but yeah now let's move oh, on of to course the let's move on no real quick yeah 35 days till the augusta and um the last time we talked was before um full swing was out the golf talk I, I i'm not watching it i can't do it you're not watching it i don't think i'm gonna watch it why not because i love phil and I still love Phil. And, you know, there is something to say about what the PGA is changing for next year where Live Golf has forced the PGA to change. And I think that was, you know, Phil went for the money, obviously, and the other guys did too. If you're offered $250 million, that's really hard to say no to. Um, however, the PGA is now changing to a lot of non-cut events because if you don't know, if you don't make the weekend in the tour, you don't get paid. And so you have to make the weekend to get paid. You're cutting off half the uh, group every single week. So they're changing that, but they've also added bigger purses and stuff. The PGA acts as a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're a nonprofit, Ethan Hunter. Okay. Well, no, that's stop. How it. The NCAA is a nonprofit. Well, yes, and that's we, not a nonprofit. We don't have enough time to talk about that joke of of an organization. But the PGA acts as a nonprofit, and they don't pay half their players. If they don't make the weekend. And my big problem with that is that that's not right. And so now what Liv did is they took all these guys. They changed the format of golf. And now you see the PGA going to do events like Liv is. And so well, that change is a good thing. And I think it's a little hypocritical of the PGA to continuously call out Liv for this. Yes, they're taking money from a, a place that's not good. Okay, there's no disputing that. However, it has forced the PGA to change in ways that are going to make the tour better. And so I think that you have to, you know, say, okay, Phil, you know what? You probably didn't do the right thing, but you're making things better for a lot of other people. 
And that has to be acknowledged, in my opinion. Because it is, I, I don't think, the PGA makes so much money. And they do not pay every guy. And I understand they're not going to be salaried. I, I have no problem with that. But, you know, a poor guy who's shooting even every single weekend half the year is not going to make half the cuts on tour. And shooting even's not bad, Ethan. So yeah. I, I, I just think it's, it's a little hypocritical of the tour to now go and do things like the way Live Golf is operating after calling them out for a year and a half about it. Well, that was not the part that they were calling it out about, I don't think. And I don't well, think. No, I, yeah, I get that. But, you know, they. they... And I, I, it has forced some change, so I will give it that. But I don't think that it's any better than. I mean, Live Golf, I think, will. Nobody's watching it, and obviously, no, I, oh, yeah, just, no, I know that. They, obviously, they can just keep paying money out of you know wherever the, the Saudis are getting money from, which I don't think anybody. I mean, everybody wants to know, but is not a good place. I can assure you that. Yeah. Um, and they have infinite money. They're playing on creative mode, and right, and they could keep sustaining this for as long as they want, but nobody's watching it, and nobody cares, and. You have the best players. I mean, not the best players, but you have some of the best players going over to live. Um, you know, Dustin Johnson obviously was world number one right. not too pa- long Patrick ago. Patrick Reed, yeah, he was number one in the world when he went. Yeah, right. you've got and, you've got three, you've got four or five different Masters champions on the live right. tour. Right, but so obviously, you know, that episode of Full Swing is called Legacy uh, Money or Legacy or something like that. Um, which is really the decision that you're making by going to live because nobody's going to remember that you were the live champion of the world. Well, no, nobody cares. I'm not disputing that. No, I agree. You're not even going to be the live champion of the world because it's a team thing. So no, I, I, no, I completely agree with all of that. I I'm just saying it caused the PGA to make changes to be more like what live is doing. And so I think that that's a bit hypocritical of the PGA. And you know, the fact of the matter is the majors are going to be unchanged. We are going to see Phil at Augusta this year, and he will get cheers. I promise you, people will not boo him. And the Masters, now the other, the other majors might be a little different. The Masters is not going to put up with any live versus PGA talk. It is Augusta. Yeah. It's its own entity. It doesn't matter. That's not a tour stop, right? That's what people don't realize. That's not part of the PGA tour. Augusta is an invite-only tournament where a lot of right. PGA players go and play, but you also have senior tour players going to play. And now you're going to have live tour players come and play. You have amateurs go and play at Augusta. You have people from the DP World Tour and the European Tour come over to play at the Masters. It's not uh-huh. a PGA Tour event. There will be no talk of live. And if there is, I will be shocked. I, am, I, I really would be shocked. I think the PGA is not going to allow, or the P, Augusta is not going to allow that kind of conversation to be taking place on TV or questions to be asked about it because it's Augusta and it's the most special weekend of the year. Yeah, and you know the reporters may ask those questions and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that um, or if they're just told don't, ans- don't ask those questions but right. then that goes against journalism ethics and you know, you're going to ask the questions that are there. So it will be very interesting. I mean, those questions will be asked to yeah. at least the players and how they respond to that will be interesting because the players on the live tour have been answering everything. Um, they will be, you know, answering all these questions do, do they play, in their own way. I don't know. It will be very interesting. Do they play groups of four or three at Augusta on day one and two? I think it's three still, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Are you telling me that they would not put Phil Mickelson, Tiger, 
and like Rory as a group, do you know the ratings that that would get? People like Ethan, I would skip class. I would just sit at home and watch that all day because the interactions would be absolute. Because Rory absolutely hates Phil. I've seen the clip. Yeah. He hates Phil. Tiger and Phil have always been rivals anyway. I think they were friends. I don't know. How, probably not now. But, oh, my, I mean, and then, you you know, you could have Dustin Johnson and Patrick Reed playing with Justin Thomas and all of these. I mean, it would be. But the Masters is not going to even toy with that, I don't think. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, you could see something like that happen at one of the other majors. Um, but Augusta is a place where you continuously get invited back. If you're a Masters champion, like Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, you know, Phil, all of these guys have won the Masters. They get invited back to go play at the Masters, and I, they will be there. And I think it will be great. It, it, it'll be so fun. Um, and, you know, Phil was at the top of the world. He won the PGA at 50, and then he kind of did go over. But I, I, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I don't think that it's also fair. I try not to get into this because I don't know all the information, but it's not talked about either in the media, and I think it's a problem. Where, you know, Tiger Woods, he's had his own personal problems. Everybody has problems. I don't think you can fault people for that. You have to give them second chances. And he's, he's, he's done the right thing since then, I think. But, you know, he has a deal with Nike. And Nike makes all their things overseas in China and things like that in places that are not good. Okay? And, and that's never talked about either. And, you know, players like him and LeBron and all of these guys make millions and millions of dollars every year off of that labor. And that's never questioned. But then you're going to get mad because they're going to go take Saudi Arabian oil money. Well, FIFA just put the World Cup in Qatar. Okay? Yeah, well, like, it, it, it's not fair to do that, I don't Yeah. Think. No, I mean, and nobody... You're right, those things aren't talked about. And, and they should be, because the it's, it's, it's those, not okay. Well, yes. No, it should definitely be talked about. They're not because... And this, you know, the Saudi money is just so glaringly obvious, and, you know, some would say anti-American or whatever, which right. I don't, you know, I don't know about that. But, um that's just so obvious that it has to be talked about, I think. And it's just a, yeah, I completely see what you're saying. Um, I just don't I mean, think that, I don't think that that doesn't at all make up for the live. No, no, I'm not saying that, but I, like I, I'm that. saying that you can't pretend that these other players are these perfect people and, and that sort of thing. You know, they're wearing Nike, they're wearing Peter Millar, they're wearing all these companies yeah. that don't manufacture their stuff in the United States. And I'm well, not saying that it has I to mean, be here, but it, it, it's over no. in these awful working conditions where people are getting taken advantage of and it's not right. Yeah, I mean, but that's, you know, that's just a problem with society in general. I no, I, yeah, I agree, and it's not talked I mean, about. even, you know, they were finding, there's a whole thing on child workers being found in United States factories this week um, now. So obviously this is a world problem, right, and it, I don't it, think that it's the same thing in that sense. Because, you know, it's not just the athletes, and I don't think that anybody's doing it right. To be honest, no, with I know I agree has, with you. Anybody that has money isn't doing it right. Right. I I just think that it's. I, I'm not saying they're the same thing. And if I did make it seem that way, that that that's. I apologize. That's not what I was trying to say. I'm trying to say that everybody has problems, and there are these issues, and we pick and choose which ones are the worst. And I don't think mm -hmm. that that's fair, because it's oil money from Saudi Arabia. Everybody in the world buys their oil from them. They are feeding into the problem. If you're going to say that the human rights issues in, in the Middle East over there are the problem, well, you're buying all your oil from them anyway. And you're the ones who are giving them all this money, right? These countries around the world. All right. I, I don't want to get too political, but that's, I mean, that's the truth. Yeah, I, but 
you know, that's just where it is. Yeah. No, just, I, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. I, I, I just think that it's wrong to only call out these athletes because they went and played on the Live Tour and not call out people who are here in the United States talking about issues here, but then make their money using, you know, labor from China and places like right. that. Well, I do think that that's an issue outside of sports and far beyond, but I know that you you see that too, so... All right, you want to talk very about very interesting draft? side, very interesting side topic there. Yeah, no, no. it just it just frustrates me. No, and I, 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 again, I need to you know maybe do some more research on it, but I I just think that you know there's virtue signaling sometimes that happens, and it's it's not right. Yeah, I I, I see I see what you're saying there. Um, now the draft, moving on here, the draft has had some very interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, yesterday was kind of wild <laughs> yeah it appears that i've lost my espn plus subscription somehow um i was trying to read this uh this mock draft that's okay i've got it all up here on the dome but uh something interesting to come out yesterday or two days ago now bryce young um much shorter than people thought uh at 510 and having some issues with that Obviously, you know, people thought that Joe's Bur- Joe Burrow's hands were too small to hold a football. So, yeah, well, that was wrong. <laughs> those, the measure, right? Exactly. The measurables don't always add up, but I think that Bryce Young will be interesting because, um, you know, he has been compared to uh, Tua, which uh, that, based on is his that place, that good. I mean, uh, I, well, that's what I'm saying. Is that is that a good thing or not? Is what I was getting at is uh, people. I mean, I like Tua, and I do think that. Um, I don't. I do think that he doesn't deserve all the hate that he gets, but um, that will be interesting as well. We saw Jalen Carter has an arrest warrant out for him um, based on the car crash that happened a couple months ago. So how that affects it will be interesting. Um, the Lions trying to decide to do with the trying to decide what to do with that number six pick. Um, obviously, they won't be taking a quarterback as everybody here hopes. No, I think Goff's the answer have, there, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, for now, yes, for sure. Some people are hoping that they get Anthony Richardson with the in the second round um, if he does fall that far, or with that number 18 pick, if they really, really do want him to sit behind Goff and learn him from him, which I think that they're completely different players, so I All don't right. really know how that would end up. But then you have the Bears with that number one pick. Do they trade it? Because obviously, you know, Justin Fields is their guy, um, they could trade Justin Fields and get a bunch of picks out of that and then pick somebody in the draft if they're if that's how they're feeling. I think that Justin Fields is a great player. I don't I think I think that he was the only thing right with that team last year. Yeah. So will they trade it because they don't need a quarterback and they'll get somebody I mean, defensively later on in the top, you know, five picks? That's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, this is a Chicago Bears franchise that essentially traded a first round pick for Chase Claypool. Uh, so, you know, what the hell, whatever, right? They're just going to do something. Uh, I don't think they should take a quarterback. I think they should trade back with the Colts and take the best player available at four. And yeah. if I'm Indianapolis and I make that trade, I am taking, uh, Coleridge Stroud. That's his name, Coleridge, uh, CJ Stroud, uh, because he's the best player in this draft. I think he will have the best career, uh, out of the quarterbacks in this draft. And you could put him in a place like Indianapolis where you can build around him. You have the running back figured out, I think. If you can get that offensive line back working again, I think last year was just a bad year for them. They have some really good linemen there. Um, you know, they've got the tight ends. Maybe figure out something with a receiver later in the draft or yeah. free agency potentially. 
But, you know, Coleridge Stroud is my favorite quarterback in this draft. I I, I don't understand the Bryce Young love. I mean, how are you going to fault C.J. Stroud for having Marvin Harrison Jr. on his team? Like, I I don't understand that. Like, that's a knock on him. Oh, he's got so many good players around him. Yeah, and he was also very good at Ohio State. It was not his fault that they lost to Georgia in the college football semifinal. He did everything he could in that game. The defense allowed Georgia to score 42 points. Right. and, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson's getting all this love here and stuff. Like, it's all just draft stuff. You've got to take the best quarterback available. The best college quarterback last season was C.J. Stroud. That's <laughs> what it is. I mean, you could make a case for Caleb Williams, but he's not in the draft, and C.J. Stroud is. He's the best quarterback available. If you want to take a quarterback and you have the first choice, it should be C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you think that somebody's better to- than him at quarterback? Well, that's, I mean, that's Bryce Young, if, if it is. That's what I'm saying. No, that, I, mean, I, I don't think well, so. Well, that's where the debate is, is what I'm saying. I don't think that anybody... Will Levis was supposed to be the best Stop. player Stop. The, at the Stop. beginning of the year, and obviously that Stop. has stayed true, but he's still going to be a top 10 pick, most likely, just because this is such a quarterback-needy season. So, so dumb. Off-season. So dumb. So, I mean, you know, you're going to see... You've seen Carson Wentz... Uh, saying goodbye to the Commanders. You see Marcus Mariota saying goodbye to the Falcons. These are other teams that are all going to also be looking for somebody. Uh, Desmond Ritter's not the answer in Atlanta? Who knows? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, okay, uh, who, would you take Stroud or Young? I mean, I know you already have Deshaun Watson, so you're good, but would you take Stroud or Young? Let's not link me to that franchise. <laughs> um if I had the first pick, I would probably, I would probably, I don't know. I haven't. You've seen CJ Stroud play a ton of football. Yeah. And I saw him in person two years in a row and I didn't like it either time. So oh, really? I, I would say CJ Stroud probably just based on his measurables and everything. But, you know, the Ohio state quarterback is something that's been, you know, debated, whatever, as they go into the NFL and not, yeah, but- and not done well. Justin Fields, is changing that narrative a little bit, but CJ Stroud is a completely different quarterback I, coming out of that school than we've seen in the past. So in the NFL, I think he's going to have a different success than previous quarterbacks from that school. You know, and well, I, I would take CJ Stroud, I guess, but it really depends on your team needs and your team style because him and Bryce Young are two completely different players. You know, talking about, you know, Dwayne Haskins, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. If he wouldn't have got drafted to Washington, I think his career would have been a lot different. You know that's a that's a bad situation to be in. That's like Fields in Chicago. Right? I mean, Washington ha- is a terrible franchise right. to be a part of in general. Right. So, ha- yeah. Half of half of what you are is the team you're playing for, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. see that all the time. You draft Patrick Mahomes to a stable franchise like Kansas City. Well, he's been a lot better. Joe Burrow himself is so good that he's changed the narrative in Cincinnati. But right. you know, I mean. Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh last year, he was able to do things because he was in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You know, these stable organizations are a lot different than getting drafted, you know, to Houston, to Jacksonville. Lawrence has been better, but his first year in Jacksonville, they were an unbearable franchise with an awful head coach that could not figure anything out. And Chicago's the same way. Washington is the same way. These teams that are constantly picking at the bottom are more the problem of organizational rather than who's on the team, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I agree. Obviously, Dan Snyder might be one of the worst human beings in, in sports. Um, 
Uh, they might force I mean, him to sell the franchise at this point. Like, yeah, I know that he's I mean, put I them don't... up for sale, but he's like well, vetoing Jeff Bezos because Bezos writes bad articles about him in the Post and all uh, of these yeah, things. Like, and... like Jeff Bezos really has a, uh, a control over the journalists at the Post. No, you're completely right. Um, but that's something that we were talking about in one of my classes um, where we talk about sports management, sports leadership, is that... Um, is that Dan Snyder has a lot of dirt on different NFL owners. I think so. And if he gets pushed out, he's telling all of that to the world. And then, you know, who knows what would be out there? Because, you know, if you, you, you sell the team, you've got billions of dollars and, you know, you can't own, you're not going to be allowed to own another franchise if you sell all of your ownership and all the other ones. After everything that Dan Snyder has done, why wouldn't he tell everybody everything as just one last, you know bird to the world and then going off and living his life if that and were to yacht happen. In the so that's why, sea, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't think that they can ever force him to sell that just because they're scared of what he knows. And the NFL ownership clubs, I mean, pretty much every sports ownership club, there's a lot of shady stuff that happens. And no, I guess it, we'll it, just it is absolutely. I mean, ownership in sports is wild. You know, there, there was Japanese mob bosses who owned the Tampa Bay lightning for a short period of time. Okay. Yeah, like but, I mean, if you have money, it's already like you didn't get that from most likely the most ethical of ways. You know, once you get up to sports ownership levels of money. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, not know. that everybody's bad, but, you know, there's a lot of stories out there that. Right. That uh, to say that Dan Snyder doesn't have dirt on Jerry Jones is, would be uh, the incorrect. And, right. And I think that you're right about that. And the NFL and, you know, some of these other leagues. Those are the most private country clubs in the world. Yeah. They are. They're not the richest people in the world, but they very well could say, we don't want Jeff Bezos here. We don't want a guy who's richer than all of us to own a team. Right. And I think that there's a legitimate argument that that is something that they might be doing. Right. You well, know? and, you know, we haven't seen somebody own the team and something that broadcasts Right. The yeah, there's Yeah, there's kind of a conflict of interest there. Um, I don't think that yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I have there is no precedent for that, so I don't right. know if it'd be allowed or not. I don't. I feel like it wouldn't, but I've been surprised by less things. So. Yeah, you know, one of the other things too uh, about that is not only do you have to buy the Commanders, but you got to build a new stadium. I mean, that's right. a ton of cash you're going to have to spend. So you're mm-hmm. going to pay, you know, eight billion dollars for the franchise and another three billion for a stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's just an astronomical amount of money and. You know, it, it's crazy to think that there's that much money in the world and there's still this, you know, so many people struggling. But, you know, we're just going to spend $11 billion like it's nothing, right? Jeff Bezos' right. net worth fluctuates $10 billion every day. Like, it's, it's just right. crazy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, well, that's definitely interesting, I think. Yeah, that is, um, that is something that. Sorry, I was just fact checking you there on the $3 billion for a stadium. And. It does look like SoFi Stadium costs well, five billion. So, like, so I will no. So you're you're about in the right ballpark. I just wanted to make sure that that was correct. Yeah, because you're correct. That is that is a what you just said at the end of there. With so many people are struggling, and these people have so much money, and they're spending it all on sports. That is a very real conversation to have and think about and research and look into because you know that's just how how the world is. It's yeah. crazy. Well, the thing about Washington is is like you know right now they're in Landover, Maryland. But the old RFK stadium they used to play, and that site is still there. 
if I was pitching an ownership, I would say we're going to move back to that site. We're going to build the new stadium there and move back to D.C. I think that makes the most sense. But that's neither here nor there. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we will continue to talk about the draft as it gets closer. We're we're about out of time here, Ethan. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk about. We had a great conversation today. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. And thank you very much for, uh, you know, this was therapeutic for me. And talking about sports is always fun. And um, like we said, we are with the families affected by everything that happened on February 13th. And we are Spartan strong. Um, we did not get into too much college basketball, but we're kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. No, we, wait. Let, we're kind do, of you, a, do you still have some time? Sure. You got about sure. 10 minutes. Have, Let, let's dive into that really quickly. I, 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 was going to say, I was going to say that we could wait until next week because that's when you know the conference championships will be happening and everything. Are, are you by chance going to Indianapolis? I, well, it's in Chicago. Oh, is it in Chicago this year? Yeah, it's in Chicago this year, but no. Um, I will not be. We're sending some fantastic reporters for the Spartan Sports Report. So if you want the Big Ten tour- the Big Ten tournament uh, content, go to the Spartan Sports Report social medias. It is SSR underscore MSU on Twitter and Spartan Sports Report on Instagram. Um, but Tanner will be heading over to do it for the Big 12 tournament. Is that right, Tanner? That is correct, Mr. Hunter. And I cannot wait. Uh, we have a lot of things that will be coming out of that. Uh, you know, you've plugged the Spartan Sports Report, which is a great thing. Go look at it. I enjoy looking at it, getting my information from, you know, a source I can trust. Um, but, uh, you know, the Mountaineer Sports Insider, the podcast I run here as part of student media, we will be doing live uh, Mountaineer Sports Insiders every single day. There's a Big 12 tournament game for either the men's or women's team. If you're in the Morgantown area, you can listen to the men's games on the Terrestrial Radio. That's 91.7 on your FM dial. And if you want to listen to the uh, women's games, you can also tune to 91.7 FM on your FM dial. Or you can go to U92themoose.com and click Listen Live. So I will be calling all of the games out in Kansas City next weekend. Uh, and or next week, I guess I should say, and I'm quite excited about it, Ethan. You know, when you look at this Big 12 Men's Basketball League, it is the best league in America by far. I don't think there's a question about it, uh, and that's not me being biased. It's me watching these games night in and night out and seeing these teams just dominate each other, you know, kind of a cannibalistic way of hurting your own conference, but I mean, yeah, and at the top of that is Kansas, who I think has a very strong I chance to Kansas repeat. Kansas best team in the country. Especially because you know, their worst loss is TCU, who's ranked. Um, right. Correct. And uh, that will be very interesting to TCU see. TCU just anybody... got Texas last night, too. Right. And the I think they have only lost to ranked teams, if I'm not mistaken, except for maybe one. Um Maybe one loss to a team let, like let me tell you, let me t- Oklahoma they, or something like that. They lost but, to Tennessee. Okay. Uh, and then they lost to ranked Kansas State, ranked T- TCU and ranked Baylor and yeah. also ranked Iowa State. So there's okay, your so losses there you go. for the Jayhawks. Yeah, so uh, that is a very good – and obviously we were seeing Purdue dominate early and then they went on a little losing streak there to teams much worse than the teams that Kansas was – You know, and then you've got Houston who hasn't really had that strong of a schedule obviously yeah. um, in the American Conference. So and they'll be in the Big 12 next year. Yeah, so the we'll league's only going to get out. better, Ethan. I mean, why, why the hell mm-hmm. not, right? I, right. You, you, you have no idea how hard it is to watch these games because the Big 12 schedule is much different than that of the Big 10. You guys play Sunday, Thursday, right? No, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Friday, too. Oh, you don't have a set league schedule like that? 
So like no, the Big 12 on the men's and women's side, they're set once Big 12 play starts. We play Saturday, Monday, and then mm. for the men. And then for the women, they play Saturday, Wednesday. And they don't play between t- Tuesday and Friday at all? No, because usually no. you're traveling. So yeah, like no, that's for West Virginia, the closest team is Iowa State, who is uh, 725 miles away or something crazy. That's the closest mm. team to West Virginia in the Big 12. Wow. So they have we, we, we here in Morgantown have to travel more than anybody. And, you know, people have been sick of Bob Huggins having to say that, but it's the truth. Every coach that comes in here to Morgantown, you know, they complain about traveling to here, and we have to do it week in and week out. So that's just something to say. But, you know, Saturday, Monday is a really, really rough thing, but it sets you up for the postseason for sure when you have to play multiple games in a row on days like that. When you look at the Big 12 tournament, that's going to be the tournament to watch, in my opinion. It's going to be just cannibalistic. I've already used that word, but that's what it's going to be. You you could make the argument that any team in this league could go win the tournament next weekend, and you'd have to say, you know what, I could see that happening. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I know you don't know much about it, but that's my take. No, 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 no. I've been watching. I've been watching. Don't discredit me here. <laughs> well, I've been no, watching. I, I, no, I, mean, I know. Obviously, you are the, the the expert that's been watching night in and night out. But I I've been keeping up, and uh, I do think that you're right. Um, the Big Twelve is definitely the conference to beat, but you know, come postseason and everything, the Big Ten has just cannibalized itself week in and week out, and. Yeah. Um, you know the Big Ten doesn't really. Hasn't won, a team hasn't won the national championship since Michigan State in 2000. So that's what um, I was going to say. I mean, the postseason yeah. success of the Big Ten has to be called into question too. You know, I, I don't even know the last time they had I a mean, team in the national title game. It, it was it Ohio State and Florida in 2008. Like I know, uh, I know there's teams that have made a Final Four, but not a no Michigan. Title. Michigan made it. Um, Did they make it with Juwan? Uh, no, not with Juwan. Oh, with Beeline. In, in the, yeah, in the 2010s, they made it twice and lost both. Um, Former Mountaineer Michigan coach State, John Beeline. Michigan State has made it one other time as well. Um, you know, Michigan State has more Final Fours than um, in the 2000s than anybody else in the Big Ten, I believe. Um, but it it is interesting, and you know, Michigan State is getting hot. Right now at the end, and shooting-wise, that Iowa game was a strange, strange game where both teams scored over 100 points, which does yeah. not happen in Big well, Ten basketball. I, I mean, you're I, talking about how hard it is to watch Big 12 basketball. Yeah, but, Big Ten basketball is just socking each other in the face and yeah. getting a layup. Well, so, yeah, I was going to ask you about old Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, everybody... <laughs> uh, I don't really, you know... I mean, you, The you, ref was initiating it. I don't have, you know, I don't think that... You cannot say that we lost that game, Michigan State lost that game because Fran McCaffrey stared down a ref. And are people saying that? Whatever. No, okay. but I'm just saying, I'm just saying people are kind of blowing it out of perspective of how much it affected everything. They're saying that it could have been a technical foul. And if he did get that technical foul... Michigan State shot that free throw and then got the ball back. I think you know they probably wouldn't have lost, but it doesn't. That doesn't matter. That's not the reason that they lost. They gave up an incredible you know lead. And then two nights ago against Nebraska, uh, you have um, Kese Tominga Tominaga. Um, I probably didn't say that right, so I apologize. But they were calling him like a Steph Curry esque player. He was making all of his shots. Michigan State still battles back from a 12-point deficit, and even more than that in other times, but in the second half, um, and gets the win comfortably by the end to spoil Nebraska's senior night. And then they have their last game against Ohio State this weekend on Saturday in East Lansing over spring break, so who knows how many people will be here for that. Are you going to go to see uh, Chris Holtman? I will not be here still at that time, so that's unfortunate. But Ohio State also... 
you know, won their last two games after not winning for like a month. <laughs> so everything is confusing. They're already out of the tournament. So hopefully Michigan State can pick up one more win. And then I, Michigan State. Put you guys really, at 19, yeah. Yeah, I'm really hoping for a. Uh, you need you need to beat uh, Ohio uh, State feet. on Saturday and win a game in the Big Ten tournament to really get right. some. Right, I'm I'm really hoping. Uh, well, we've already probably if we if Michigan State loses the last the next two games and gets out of the Big Ten tournament, that's probably like a nine seed or something like that. But if they can win and do something in the Big Ten tournament, I can see a six seed, which would be ideal because uh, you know last year playing Duke. As the two and seven matchup, yeah, we're uh, you know I, I I I do fault the referees in that game. I watched that yeah. game. I was rooting for Sparty. It was brutal. Yeah. You know, yeah, it is neither here nor there. You know, you, you know what? I, it is officially the month of Izzo, everybody. Right. January, February, Izzo, April. I I I would love to see our teams match up. Oh, that would be. I think we would have to go and call it from the stands I mean, illegally. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be. Just absolutely terrific. Um, I would also love for one of our teams to at least be in that Columbus bracket where we could go home and watch them at the Schweid. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine? Like, I've been to Nationwide Arena, I don't even know how many times. But to go watch my basketball team play at Nationwide Arena, I, yeah. that's just, I mean, that's that's like zen. That's bliss. There's nothing better. Right. I, I don't even know. But, yeah, college basketball is doing great. We will... Definitely have a much more in-depth college basketball discussion next week. Uh, yeah, it'll be a lot more poignant next week as we I, can talk about the bracket. and. Yeah, well, I, I'm thinking about how it. I'm going to have to record it next week. I think I've got a plan to make the audio quality good enough. If not, we will figure something else out for you guys, and it might not be the best audio quality, but it'll be a great conversation like we always have here on the Spartan in Your Podcast. Absolutely. And, Tanny, thank you for uh, – bringing uh, the discussion today and um once again thank you guys for uh listening to my story and you know the, the last couple of weeks have been hard but we're getting through it and like i said if you want to hear my full story it'll be on my twitter um and on the spartan newsroom website if you want to find that so um thank you very much for everything tanner and uh it's been a great conversation with you today yeah we had fun and uh like we always do this has been the spartan ear podcast with tanner and ethan we thank you for joining us as always